Red Sox right-handed pitcher Matt Barnes isn't going anywhere, at least for the next couple of years. Sox Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom announced that the team has signed Barnes to a two-year contract extension. Red Sox designate Matt Barnes for assignment. I, I think more than anything, this is just a function of where we're at uh, in the offseason and with our 40-man roster. We are, there, there are no easy decisions. And, you know, regardless of, you know, recent accomplishments, regardless of what they have under their belts in their careers, um, everybody on our 40-man roster uh, it has real value. Um, you know, there's nobody that, that we can remove, you know, without losing them. And so that forces uh, tough choices and it's obviously something we've been working through all off season. And, uh, you know, today we landed on Matt. All right, welcome back. It is another episode of the Obstructive View Red Sox podcast. Uh, we're coming at you with some Red Sox news, some pretty, you know, hefty Red Sox news. Before we get into that, uh, I will introduce the uh, the guys for the podcast. Uh, we're going to kick it off here with uh, Steve. How's it going? Hello. Good to see you all. Awesome. Uh, moving on down. Uh, what's going on? Who'd you ask? Uh, you. Oh, just another day in paradise. I was hoping the snow hit us, but we missed it. No snow down there uh, for you guys? No snow. Went just north of me. That's a shame. And then uh, moving on down, we got Jamie. You know, I was going to use Miggy's line, but just uh, happy to be here and see the fellas' faces. Guess what I'm going to go with. So, yeah, we got some Red Sox news to kind of cover here uh, in it's kind of funny, like which direction you want to start in. So I'm actually going to start with um, the most recent, and that is uh, Matt Barnes was designated for assignment last night. So recording here on a Wednesday, this will uh, drop on Thursday. So, but Matt Barnes DFA'd, very shocking. I don't think anybody expected. It. I don't think Matt Barnes expected it, based off of Heim Bloom and his response. Um, and then obviously you got Matt Barnes retweeting Red Sox stats about his overusage, but um, let's just get your reaction here. I'll start with uh, start with Steve. What was your initial, what was your initial um reaction when you heard that uh, that Matty Backpacks was going to uh, be gone? Well, I mean that one honestly kind of caught me off guard. I did not foresee that one coming. I, you know, the extension kind of threw me uh threw me off a little bit. Had there not been an extension in place, I think that move would have made a little more sense, but given the other players on the 40 man roster, it still kind of comes as a surprise. So, I think there's still value to be had in a guy like Barnes. And I think that there's somewhere that he will inevitably land in the form of a trade. Cause I think there's a lot of teams out there who are looking for right-handed uh, relief. Oh. And uh, I, I just, yeah, the, the, the whole extension and then immediate, basically a year and a half after that, uh, him getting designated is just a little, little bit shocking because you got guys who are far more likely to be designated. <clears throat> Jamie. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I felt like down the stretch in the last two months of the season, he kind of rediscovered his all-star, all-star form. So I thought that would at least get him through spring training. Um, so I was surprised that, you know, based off that, he was the one that was out because he kind of had that magic in the final two months, two and a half months of the season. Um, and over other guys who shall not be named, um, who I feel like are more deserving. But I don't run the team. That's just my thoughts. I'm with Steve. It was a surprising move to say the least. To see the say the least that he was the one that was axed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even Matt Barnes was surprised based off you know what was it his retweet based uh, from Red Sox stats last night that we saw him a little frustrated. I feel like he he himself he weren't like hey there's a couple other guys that could be put over me especially with what the Sox owe him. Uh, you know, Sox owe him more than what. They do a couple of the other guys, I guess we're not naming. Uh, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they eventually trade him or if they're just going to see what happens with him or what. Well, I mean, he is not. So they have seven days to trade, uh, to trade or basically release him. Um, here's the deal if he was to clear waivers and he outright refuses his assignment to AAA, then the Red Sox don't have to pay him that, you know, that, that money. So my guess is, is they are going to work very hard over the next week or so to try to move him. Um, I would just kind of caution everybody that, you know, some of those random accounts that tweet out these random rumors, um, there's a reason why they keep regurgitating all kinds of random stuff on there. Um, and that not every single thing you need to take is like gospel. But I think if the Red Sox can find a taker, the problem is, is who's going to take on the nine and a half million. So that's the seven and a half for this year, the $2 million buyout for next year. Um, you're going to have to eat money, which is fine. Cause I mean, you're going to pay nine and a half million either way. Right. So you're going to have to either eat money or you're going to have to attach prospects or a prospect in this deal to move him. Um, I will probably say that in the next like week or so, probably after, you know, the move is done and he's officially no longer a member of the Red Sox, we'll probably start to get a little more information um, in regards to Barnes. But um I wouldn't say that every every little piece of information that Heimblum said is I believe him, but there's a little more to that. So in regards to Matt Barnes. Yeah, I mean I kind of have to agree with you there. And I feel like there's probably some sort of underlying issue that might not have been addressed during the press conference yesterday. I mean, considering the fact that the guy's owed nine and a half million dollars, um, I can't really see why he would be a DFA candidate unless there was some sort of underlying concern that hasn't been brought to uh light yet. So that being said, I still I still feel like there is a taker. And in regards to that tweet that you had mentioned that he retweeted, um, I kind of feel like that was a little bit of a uh, a middle finger to the organization in a sense. It's like, yeah, you guys did overuse me. Maybe that's why I wasn't playing as well. That's why I got hurt. So yeah, it's not necessarily going out of uh, the organization with um, you know, a big thank you or you know good luck to the organization, the team, the future. This kind of strikes me as a, yeah, 
that guy's right. Screw you. Yeah. But I think a big thing too was that he wasn't at winter weekend. Right. Um, we all know he lives in Connecticut, so it's not like a far drive for him to get there. So, that's, you know, that just showed that there's obviously, obviously tensions that one of their longest tenured players and making a decent, pretty good salary. Um, with whatever was going on, was not at winter weekends, which, you know, is probably an indicator, like Chris said, that we'll find out once the move's made, what, you know, was actually has been going on the last couple of weeks between them. And I, I can't, I don't recall, though, whether or not he was advertised, so I don't want to go and misspeak and, you know, and kind of surmise by saying that he wasn't at winter weekend. Um, and now this is, he's traded days after. Um, I'm actually trying to, look at the roster i don't think he was advertised to go but again that could be for any reason so um by the end of the day you know he was one of the longest tenured red Sox remaining he's not here anymore um i mean there's i've if you go on social media you know obviously jared crab has been you know he was pro matt barnes and things along those lines i listened to steve peralt um itm's pod today he always felt that Matt Barnes never liked him. So it's kind of like a mixed bag with, with, with that. But I think the overall and, you know, the end game to all of it is, you know, everybody was shocked by the move. And I think it kind of goes to show though, you know, unless your name is Ryan Brazier, nobody's safe. Mm-hmm. Oh so. yeah. You know, that, that man, what he's doing right now, I respect it wholeheartedly. Um, I think it was Bloom had comments the other day that said they liked his trajectory or they had a positive um, review of Brazier. So obviously they still see something in him. And it will, it, I feel like it would be like the best storyline with everything that's been said about him this offseason if he goes out and posts like an ERA under three. He's just this like stud arm that no one was, you know, um, predicting. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to go on the record right now and just say, he would not be DFA'd if he were non-tendered. I mean, people in the organization saw something yeah. in him that felt that it was warranted to tender him a contract. And the same could be said for a guy like Josh Taylor, who missed all of last year, and he was traded for something of value. I'm not broken up by Josh Taylor. I'm not either. I'm just saying the fact that, you know, the two of those guys were tendered contracts and weren't DFA'd. I mean, there's, there's some sort of, uh, you know, it, it goes hand in hand because it's like they had a vision for both those players. They projected them to be on their roster going in 2023 and an opportunity presented itself and they inevitably traded one of them, designated the other for assignment, Barnes, not Frazier. But, I mean, these guys are, you know, Cat in the bag, I guess. They're gone. Well, Frazier will be gone. (laughs) We'll segue into that then, though. The Red Sox, they do. um, They trade um, Josh Taylor to the Kansas City Royals, and they acquire um, Alberto Amondesi. I love love the name, how that just rolls off the tongue. Alberto Amondesi. And a player to be named later. I got to tell you, the player to be named later part to me is very intriguing. Um, that's an intriguing little nugget that fans are probably overlooking and 
we'll get more information, I think, on that too as, you know, the weeks come out as to why the player to be named later was actually added. Because if you think about, you know, Taylor for Mondesi seems like a pretty, I think it's a pretty even straight up deal. I think I think the Red Sox did okay in that respect. I know I've seen on social media today, there's a lot of people, or when it happened rather, it's people that are up in arms, you know, saying he gave up, you know, a, a reliable left-hander. Well, he was hurt and didn't throw one inning last year for the Red Sox. And I get it. Mondesi also hasn't really done anything either because he's been hurt. Um, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to get broken up by Josh Taylor. I mean, th- these relievers, unless you are like the legit of the legit, I mean, a lot of times these guys are dime a dozen. Well, you know, a year ago, yeah. a year ago, removing two players um, like Josh Taylor and Matt Barnes would have been a cry for help. But it just kind of goes to show that they have actually been sneaky reinforcing the bullpen to a degree where they feel that those guys are expendable now. A year ago, those guys, you needed them on your roster. No doubt about it. No. Yeah. Well, I like the move, too, from the standpoint of Marcy can stay healthy because he does have speed. Um, he has shown a little bit of power. And there's this thing he's never been able to stay on the field for a long period of time. Um, and if the Sox can use him in that utility role, I feel like that's the best way to maximize his talent. And he could be at least a useful player at the end of the day. I like it in the sense of you have a whole rotating like square between, you know, Kike. Mondesi, Royal, and then, you know, Duval out there in center field. If he goes down, you move Kiki out there, and you have two guys there in the middle. I like him in that sense. And, you know, we haven't, we haven't had, what, probably all four of those guys are probably subject to an injury, it seems like, at least one season. Yeah. Um, and he can rotate them to the DH spot, too, just yeah. to give someone an extra day off. And give them a little breather from fielding. I mean, I really like Mondesi's glove, too. I've seen some yeah. – uh, in the limited action you've seen in the past few years, when he is on the field, he is an impact player with the glove. Um, you know, his bat's not that great. And in my opinion, he's sort of like the equivalent of what you would have gotten in a guy like Jose Iglesias or any of those other people that people have been targeting and pegging as the next uh, acquisition for Boston. So I think it's a good buy low with, you know, potential for a little – a little bit of, uh, you know, there, there there could be something in there. If he can stay on the field, similar to Arroyo, we don't know Arroyo's true ceiling because we haven't seen a full year out of him either. And I don't think the Royals have seen a full year out of Mondesi either. I know that he's going to be a free agent after this year. So this seems like another bridge type of player to me where uh, maybe towards the end of the season, they might give somebody a look in the minors see what they can do and i'm not saying it's going to be one of the higher tier players but maybe one of the mid-tier who might be able to come up and try to you know see what they could do just see what you got because there's so many guys that play middle infield in that uh in that farm system that there's no reason not to give them a look especially if things don't work out and pan out with a guy like mondesi or arroyo or any of the other you know options that they currently have on that roster I mean, yeah, you have Emmanuel Valdez who should get some sort of look. Obviously, he's going to get a look in spring training. You know, they like David Hamilton a lot. I know he hasn't played above double A, 
So you're going to get to see what he does at AAA this year, but he could be someone middle of the year if he's performing well and the Red Sox needs somebody. Um, you know, that's another name. Um, I mean, there's other guys. I mean, there's, again, hasn't played above AA, but like Christian Koss could be someone that could come on, that could be a <clears throat> player. Um, you know, I think Ryan Fitzgerald is going to come in and be someone that could, you know, he made noise last spring training. I mean, how can you, how can you dismiss him if he does it two years in a row? I know he's going to add that depth at the upper level, but still he's, an, he's another candidate. Um, I, you know, those are just a couple of names, just a couple of in-house names. You don't need to go and spend, you know, the money you're going to spend on one of these free agents. Like who got, like who gets designated for assignment if you, if you sign Elvis Andrews to a major league deal, you, like you're running out of options of who you're going to DFA. Right. Um, yeah, we've seen a lot of, you know, talent that, at least from our perspective, we all deem to be serviceable, get poached from the 40-man roster in order to make room for guys who are just on one-year contracts, and it's kind of surprising. I mean, who um, do you DFA for Jose Iglesias? Right, exactly. That's why I'm not really a huge fan of that. I mean, that that's kind of one of those, you don't really have to go out and make a trade for the sake of making a trade, especially with the 40 man roster getting to a point where you don't really want to lose the talent that's on it now. So I'm kind of ruling out any further acquisitions by free agency at this point, unless it's like a guy that, you know, is going to be impactful. Okay. I, I wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say that if they're going to add someone through free agency, it's going to be, it would probably be one of those left-handed arms that have been coming up quite a bit, like the Chaffins or uh, Matt Moore, Moore, Bill Smith, like somebody of like, you know, that caliber. And that, but though that like you have a tough decision you're going to make, who goes again at that point? Is it, is it German? Is he, is, does he go? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you're DFAing Zach Kelly. I think that they think that he's somebody they could, you know, utilize. I went, look, I went through, that 40-man roster the other day before Matt Barnes went to try to figure out, okay, when I knew the Duvall was going to be announced, trying to figure out who was going to – and then obviously just before I got the news um, to announce it, I I, I was ice cold. So, again, Bloom could surprise us, and who knows? Yeah. Well, I agree. I kind of – I agree with Chris. I feel like if they do add through free agency, it's only going to be a left-handed arm. I feel like infield-wise, they're probably set at this point. Um, so I can only see like a pitcher if you're going to add someone that subtract. I think if they could get Andrews at a, at a minor league deal, that will happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how hot the uh, market for him is right now, but I mean, Boston fans are all over the idea of having him play there. Because people again, but that's it's just the lore, you know. People get all hot and heavy over it because it's a name that they know, and he was. I know, but and that's what I was about to say. Like the other piece, though, that's annoying. None of these prospects, none of these younger guys that we're gonna that we're probably going to see. Nobody wants to see them on the Red Sox. I don't want to see nobody, but there is a portion of the fan base that does not want to see these young players. They're not good enough to be on the Red Sox, but they're good enough to get you the talent that you want back for your team. Right. Yeah. Like Bobby Dahlbeck isn't good enough to be on the Red Sox, but he's good enough to be in a deal to get 
Kim? No, first off, that was that's bullshit. Yeah, no, I, I just I think I think like Bobby Bobby Dalbeck is a type of guy that you could definitely net something of value in a trade, but you gotta include another piece. He's not like you know, you can't go out and trade for a stud reliever or you know, a nice middle infielder just solely for Bobby Dalbeck. And I mean, you know, that that's the control that he has is valuable, but you know, that the whole thing with the Padres, him and um, uh, Tanner, him and Tanner, like that's not, that wasn't real life. And it's, it's, it's funny because you see this and people retweeting and they get all hyped up and they start to come up with all these like cockamamie things. And it's like, no, it's not, that's not it. That's not even remotely on par with what the Red Sox are thinking about. Yeah. When I saw when I saw those proposals, I was like, can we just take a second and think about how that logically makes sense trading three guys, especially with you know Tanner who could be key parts of the bull key part well I can't speak English part of the bullpen. Um for a player of like songs caliber. He's good, but I won't give four pieces in a straight up four for one. Like when I saw those trade proposals, I thought that was a little ridiculous. And that was never going to happen either. That's right. just wild. You know, I don't know. I think, I think what's going to benefit every single Red Sox fan is the second that they get to spring training because all this like roster minutia can stop for a little bit. Of who are they going to sign? Who are they going to trade for? Like that all stops. I, like I'm, I'm looking forward to the storylines of the players and you know, who's, you know, who's going to be options to make the roster, stuff like that. I just, this whole, like who are they going to sign and what's next and all that other, like I'm ready for it to come to an end. Well, I, I say I that, though, I say that in the respect of come to an end, like I'm ready for baseball to start, but when they, when those rumors want to come back up, like, you know, they can come our way, you know? So you, well, you know, got to be, I'm sorry. As I say, we got you know we got to be professional about it, you know. Gotta have it benefit everybody. It's a circle of life. Exactly. So I was I was just gonna say I was gonna chime in on a, you know, sort of similar topic. But do you guys do you guys think like going forward are are we prepared for a year of Kikate shortstop? Is that what we're looking at right now? As is, I mean, with the Duval edition, uh, I'd like to think that. They're probably going to go ahead and do some sort of crazy rotation with every single player they have because we know, you know that every single one of the players on the roster, for the most part, is capable of playing multiple positions. But do you envision Kike getting a bulk of the playing time at shortstop until Story's back? I say yes, but, and then tomorrow they're going to trade for a random dude that's going to be the starting shortstop. Right. How this goes. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Chris. I feel like with the way the roster is constructed right now, he's going to get most of the reps. Um, just because I feel like Arroyo is better at second. And yeah. then, you know, Duvall is better in the outfield. Yeah, no, Duvall Duval's coming off. Uh, I think he had a pretty pretty good year after, you know, before the wrist injury and everything in Atlanta. But um, yeah. I know, I know, in twenty twenty one, just two years ago, you're if if we're looking at twenty twenty one numbers, you're essentially getting like another Hunter Renfro with maybe a plus power bat, 
and a better glove. I mean, Renfro had a good arm. We know this, but we've also seen all the blunders he had in the outfield too. Um, and I think Duval is a great sneaky addition. And at that price, you can't really beat that. I mean, who there was somebody there was somebody that uh I think Boston lost who went to I forget what team and who it was, but it was the same price and a far less, you know, notable addition to that other team. I can't who the hell was it? It was like the same exact price. It was six million dollars. I'm blanking on who it was. Fam, Tommy Fam. There you go. Thank you. Yes, it was Tommy Fam. Went to the Mets for I think the same price, right? Six million, seven million. Yeah, it was either the same or it was in like. Yeah, so I mean, that being said, like I'd much rather have a guy like Duvall, who's capable of playing the corners and center field, than Fam, who is you know serviceable in his own right, but you can have a guy like Duvall who can have the potential to hit some nukes at Fenway. I'd rather have that with the glove, you know, especially considering center field has been kind of a big question mark. I mean, we had JBJ for majority of last season, but there was no bat. Now Duval has the bat. And then you got Yoshida playing lap. I'm sure he'll see some time at DH too. That's another thing. The DH thing is going to be a huge rotation. I mean, this whole team yeah. is going to be one giant spinning wheel of you know like who's who's playing where tonight all right whole to be like the wheel of wheel of fortune there you go wheel <laughs> of fortune exactly i want to circle back to what you said about kk playing shortstop i know we're a little bit time removed from that but you know I, I think he's ready to embrace that you see what he posted on his instagram story you see the way him and core were talking about it at winter weekends and everything he's never really had the true a true shot to play at short you know, he got here in Boston. He had bogey. He, he was at a, you know, that was bogey spot. When he was at L.A., that was Trey spot. So I think he's ready to embrace that role, and I think he's excited for that personally too. Yeah, you know, the one thing okay. I will say is that I just didn't really know. I was never really clear on where he preferred to play. I know at the end of the day he's a team player and he'll play wherever he's asked to play, but there was a quote from a, a year or so ago where he said center field is mine until, you know, somebody else claims it. I remember him saying mm. that. And so, you know, as far as I knew, I was under the impression that he wanted to be center fielder and he had no other intentions, but then again, he's the one who's courting all these players that have and you know, ended up coming to Boston, like Duval. I heard that he was one of the people who reached out and, um, I guess I guess he's ready to take on that shortstop role, and then when when story does come back, it kind of makes you wonder what might happen to a player like Mondesi or Arroyo, because one of the two is going to have to ride the bench or get options. If they, I don't even know if either of them have options left, they might get DFA'd if they're not performing. It's really kind of a, up in the air, or maybe even a trade. I don't know. If anyone feels like, no, I mean, it, it's a it's a good it's it's. It's a good thing, it's a good right? Problem to have when mm-hmm. you're healthy and you have all these good players, like you know these players that can that can go. It gives them a position of strength if they need to. Again, if they're if they're in it and they, but the problem is too is like if story say story comes back in July, he's not going to play the field. Say he DHs, well, where does Justin Turner play? You know, 
not to play play first. You know, and and he didn't come here to be a part-time player. Right. So thing. I mean, it's it's all one-year deals, right? A lot of these guys. With the options for he's that option though, but I don't know. It's it's a good problem to have for Boston. You know, again, if they're healthy, it can be a position of strength. You can move a guy or whatever you Mm -hmm. might do if you need to. Um, but right now, before calling it a position of strength, we need to see these guys be healthy again. There is more question marks than there are complete answers to these questions. So, and I and I think that that's going to be something that this team is going to have to legitimately answer. I know <clears throat> it's okay to be optimistic about the baseball team, and I'm not dismissing that, <clears throat> but it would be really remiss and. I would say almost lazy to a point if, you know, we don't recognize that, you know, Chris Sale has what 11 games under his belt in three years, whatever it is, James Paxson's coming Mm -hmm. off of Tommy John, you know, Corey Kluber has a little bit of a history in the last five, six years of injury. He was healthy last year. He made 31 starts. Can you do that again? Um, You got Whitlock coming off the hip surgery. You have how coming off back surgery. Um, you got Kenley Jansen flipping from the National League to the American League. Um, I don't look at him as a massive question mark. As a matter of fact, I look at him as a as a plus um, to this team. I think your the bullpen is their their strength. You know what does Reese McGuire look like? We saw six really good weeks out of him. Can that continue? Now, Josh Winkowski, when we talked to him on the Sox Specs podcast back in November. He did say, like, you know, guys like McGuire and some of these guys that were backups on other teams, they need regular at-bats, regular reps every single day. And obviously, McGuire benefited from that. So, you know, what does Costas look like? I mean, I, I keep naming these players, and it's it's a it's a freaking question mark to these things. So these guys have to show that they're not going to be a question mark. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's kind of made that we talked about all this offseason. They've made a lot of additions, but a lot of these guys have injury histories that you're counting on key con- contributions for. They kind of have to answer those and stay. If they stay healthy, this could be a solid team, but if those injuries continue to creep up, then their depth is going to be tested. And the other thing none of us factoring in, too, is it's also not just the, you know the injuries we're looking at. It's also this year the shift band. We got to see what these middle infielder guys are going to, how they're going to be able to cover that, you know, to cover the ground now that we have that band and you get to be lined up in certain spots and such. Right. I feel like that's one of the things they factored in when they looked into Mondesi too, a little bit. Cause I mean, I feel like he's the kind of guy who can cover a lot of ground. So they definitely went yeah. out of their way to seek out a guy who can really get up the middle when need be with no shift on. And, uh, you know, the fact that the shift isn't even a thing at all is going to make it incredibly difficult to get to the ball in general. But I think it's going to be a, a big, you know, all not even just the Red Sox, but just a league-wide thing. I'm sure a lot of teams are sitting there thinking, wow, I threw down seven seven years and a whole lot of money to a guy like Marcus Semyon, and I don't think he's going to get to the middle of the infield for shit, you know? That's just an example right there. But, I mean, there's certain players who I'm sitting there wondering, like, how these other teams are going to end up, you know, looking, reflecting on that big chunk of change that they might have handed a player 
now seeing the uh, the shift being eliminated completely. Um, but yeah, no, I I think I think it's going to be a true um, gonna be a true testament of uh, how how these guys fare with the injuries and um, their ability to play the defense without a shift. All this stuff is going to be taken into consideration. The pitching is another thing, like you were saying that I'm, I'm very skeptical of the starters. I'm not worried about the bullpen at all, but I'm feeling pretty confident about the starting pitching. And then seeing some of these guys who started last year and knowing that they could potentially be in the bullpen slotted in is honestly gives me a little bit of hope because, you know, we saw Hulk in 2020 and he was starting the entirety of the, uh, of the campaign in 2020, he was starting. And he was pretty successful. 2021 came around. He was up and down. And then the bullpen switch came. But it's definitely a little bit, uh, you know, it makes me feel better. It's reassuring. Do you guys find it interesting that they're going with the five-man rotation compared to the six-man? You know, with all the injuries, that you know, those front, what is it? I'm three not, or four guys. I'm, I'm not surprised. They know that they have a six-man if they need one. That's the thing. Yeah, I was gonna say they have. They know that they have plenty of depth in yeah. the minors too. Yeah, the minors, the bullpen. I mean, like how Oka was just saying, is capable of being a starting pitcher. I don't know about you guys, but I'm curious what you think about this real quick. Do you think Winkowski? Excuse me, not Winkowski. Um, do you think Whitlock is ultimately going to be a starting pitcher? Or is how going to be your guy? Or are they both going to end up in either one or the other of the starting rotation or the bullpen? I think Whitlock is starting. Well, yeah, I, mean, I agree I know that for sure. But I mean, like long term, you think that's how it's going to go? I do. And I think if he can get through, you know, a full workload this season, you know what I mean? It's just gonna, I mean, that's why they initially got him. So, yeah, I, I think that that's their plan. You know, it'd be nice to see if Howe can do it as well. Um, if not, at least you know that he can, you know, he can go into the bullpen. But I think obviously the plan right now is Whitlock. If you get, if Howe comes out of camp and he looks like a starter, that's going to look good for the Sox. And, you know, the bullpen is still in a really good spot that you can, you can let these guys, you know, throw. Yeah. I feel like best case scenario is that they both end up in the road, in the rotation. Um, but if they have to keep it as it is, that's still a pretty good spot to be in, at least for 2023. They both end up in the rotation. Wouldn't it be because injuries one of the other guys? No, I think you just mean just like in general, Steve, right? Just like looking long-term. Yeah, like long-term. Oh, okay. I was just thinking this week. Yeah, no, no. I'm just talking like, you know, obviously this season's going to be another season of kind of trial and error. Some of these guys were really trying to define their roles, but – I'm just curious how you how you guys are feeling it was going to pan out, really. But, I mean, I okay, so I had two other pressing questions. When I say pressing, I mean I need answers. Got you. First and foremost, fourth outfielder. So we heard what Alex Cora had to say about Jaron Duran during Devers' mm-hmm. press conference. It was really, it was really just kind of out of the blue, but I mean, he he mentioned that Duran was going to be a big part of the team this coming year. But, I mean, they also 
avoided arbitration with Rob Refsnyder, who was essentially filling that role before. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious in your guys' takes on that. I mean, I'm not really sure if it's going to turn into some kind of battle for that spot or, you know, what, what direction that's going to head towards, but curious what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in that just because I think last year you saw Ref Snyder was healthy for a good portion of the year. Um, you know, so far in his career, that kind of wasn't the case, even though he was injured at the end of the year, but for a good chunk of the season, he was um, a spark plug off the bench. And I feel like Duran, there's still obviously see talent there. Um, and he still has a shot because he, you know, came up in the system. But I think just giving off what Ref Snyder did last year, unless he completely falls down to earth and he comes out of the gate hitting like under 200 and he's not the player he was last year and Durant's lighting it up. I could see Durant taking over in that situation, but I feel like you're going to need Ref Snyder to really come back down from what he did last year for Durant to like really take over all those at bats. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Duran, a, a perfect, perfect world. Let him go to AAA. Let him go to Worcester. Let him get regular at bats. Unless he comes out of camp on fire, I don't think it makes any sense for him to just to sit the bench and, and get six at bats a week. Um, I'd I'd say start in AAA, get your at bats. And and then when it's your time to get called up, when you come up here, I would not put all the pressure in the world on 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 your shoulders, but make it count. You know what I mean? Like, don't let these fly balls go over your head and and throw your hands up and blame it on the twilight and all this stuff. Like, make it count this year. Yeah. Do you think any trade stock in him? I'm sorry, trade sucks. Trade stock. Like, do you think he has anything that you know you could eventually shop him for season? Just because I mean, I feel like at this point he's kind of like Dahlback in the sense that he's not the main, he's not the centerpiece of a trade. He's kind of an add-on. Yeah. You know, if he comes out of camp and he's hitting like he did in the minors a couple of years ago, then obviously his value goes up. But right now, I feel like he's more of an add-on to get a bigger piece, kind of like a filler in a if they're to make a deal today. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to discredit the dude either. Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't. We, we went from, you know, two years ago calling this guy like a prodigy and this and that and the next thing, you know, he was the next big thing. And people were begging for him to be called up and wanted to see him the next day. And then when he finally did get called up, he didn't do so hot. And what do you think happened? The whole world turned on him. And it's kind of it's kind of bullshit, to be honest. I mean, you got to give the dude some time to get adjusted to the major leagues. I don't think he's like worthless in a throw-in or anything like that, to be honest. I think I think he's got some value and other teams probably see that too. I mean, there's plenty of players who've come up, they've kind of flopped a little bit. They eventually found their footing and figured it out. And I feel like I feel like a guy like Duran is one of those people. So I'm not gonna go ahead and give up on him just yet. But I do agree. I think honestly, a guy like Ref Snyder is kind of coming down from you know, he he wasn't amazing in his career, and then he kind of took off in Boston for a little bit there. So I wouldn't be shocked if if Chris is if Chris is uh right on this one, and he does end up in AAA just to let him get some uh, regular reps, and then kind of if you know like if Ref Snyder kind of shits the bed a little bit, 
just calling it a day and saying goodbye, bringing him back up Duran. I do believe there is also an article on the Substack about Duran, Duran, Duran's outlook <laughs> for 2023. If anyone wants to oh, hop we? over to Substack after you have read or listened to this portion of our amazing voices, just you know, put that out there. Do with that what you will, if oh. you're bored. It's a great piece. Plug away, Jamie. Anyone else have any insight on that one? Love to hear everyone's well, word system. Miggy was going to say something. I didn't hear him. No, I was just saying for free. It's free. Free to subscribe. Well, free. So, um, Matty Barnes, DFA'd. Adam Duvall signed. Kike is a shortstop. Montessi is utility. Oh, good. I was going to say one more thing when you're done wrapping up whatever you're wrapping up. Oh, no, no, no. Well, I was just going to ask one more you're gonna unwrap it. You're gonna question. Unwrap, unwrap that shit. I have one more question. <laughs> Jorge Alfaro, does that make you think that there's going to be a little bit of a catcher duel during spring training? I know he's not the flashiest mm. minor league signing, but I'm curious if the Red Sox are super high on Wong and really want to give him a close look in spring training, see if he can kind of pan out and come through. I know he's great as a catcher. Not, I haven't seen enough of him you know, getting at bats to really know how he will pan out offensively. And we've seen Alfaro in the majors for a long time. He's obviously not the best uh, offensive catcher, and I haven't really caught a whole lot of his, uh, you know, reps behind the plate. That being said, I'm just curious if you think that they would, if they would give up on a guy like Wong, who's younger and more control, which is something the Sox love. I don't think they will. But I'm just curious if you think that there's any uh, any kind of impending, you know, real deep dives and, and looking into that and to see what they can do and who's going to end up with the backup role. I think right now, it's I, feel like, I feel like Wong would really have to struggle in spring training, like really struggle. Or if there's like an injury is the only way I could see a follower making the team. I mean, he brings, he does have a little bit of pop. He doesn't hit for average, but um, he does canned crush balls and he has a very good home run celebration has been shared on Twitter the past week. So I'd love it for just like that purposes. Um, but I feel like Wong would have to suck or somehow not make it to camp for a far to like take that spot. I would say like, <laughs> if you said that he made the team and Wong went to AAA, you know what I mean? I, I I think Alfaro he gives you that it gives you a bat that's got some pop. He's played at the big league level. Um I wouldn't be disappointed if he made the team and Wong with the triple A and it's nothing against Wong at all. You know, Wong actually plays some second base too. Just throwing it out there. If he's playing <laughs> second base at the big league level, man, that Jimmy, you're bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other discussion that needs to be addressed. You know, I, I don't I don't want this Blake Swihart shit. You know what I mean? 
That's he's true. Going from behind the plate. Now he's in left field. Now he's cleaning toilets. Like this, <laughs> let these guys this year play their position, right? At least for me. You know, Oyo is playing in the outfield. We said we said this numerous times. The infielders in the outfield, and the outfielders in the infield. Like, let's let the guys play their positions this year. Yeah. Probably the best way to get through the growing pains, I guess. And who knows? This team could uh, surprise uh, people, and or they can make our summers miserable again. Hey, I mean, this is giving me similar, uh, you know, similar vibes to 2021. To a degree, they're bringing a lot of new names in, kind of overhauling the roster, overhauling the clubhouse, the entire clubhouse. It's true. I've heard whispers about the clubhouse not being the best last season, and uh, that being said, I mean, you know, bringing in all these veterans. I know, I know, there was a few guys who were obviously kind of the glue to the clubhouse and keeping the team together and everything, but. Um, I think all these these older older players are actually going to really mentor the younger the younger portion of the team, and I think that's something that they really thought about when they were thinking about who when they were vetting you know who to bring into the team, like guys like Kluber and uh, Justin Turner, all the older fellas. I think that they could really provide some value to the younger guys. I mean, for God's sake, Matt and Dreesy in twenty twenty <laughs> went ahead and showed Garrett Whitlock how to throw a better changeup and look how that worked out. You know? It's big twenty it's big twenty thirteen vibes in my opinion. I'm getting some yeah. twenty thirteen vibes. Yeah, I agree. Maybe we'll bring the beard back this year. It's been ten years. Mark not. Uh all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um that pretty much kind of wraps it up. So um couple of couple of things make sure that you head on over to beyond the monster subscribe it is free put your email address in there um we have brand new uh content creators brand new writers adding to the to the sub stack so if you follow along on twitter to um with boston sports gordo he is just joined um really excited for him he dropped his first article today um, and also Jordan, is it Leandre? Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Yeah. Um, so he also joined the Substack, and um, we've been interviewing and talking with some other potential candidates. I think we're going to probably cap it off because, well, I, you know, content is content. I don't know if I really want us to have like 20 articles dropping a day and then people's emails getting blasted and they're unsubscribing. So, um, but no, head on over to the Substack. It's free. And then also Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Type in Obstructed View. Type in Sock Specs and Round and Third to get all of our latest baseball podcasts as well as Short It Takes, a Boston Bruins podcast. Um, a lot of content. A lot of content. A lot of stuff dropping. So anything else around the horn? Miggy, what do you got? Nothing? Everyone have a great weekend. It's always a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Wednesday. That's that the most uplifting <laughs> message you've ever had. <laughs> it is hump day. I'll give him some credit. Someone's weekend starts right. tomorrow. Someone's in tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe the philosopher. Mine would just be like truck days. You know, truck days, it's coming. It's it's coming, which means we're one step closer to baseball season. Just around the corner. 
It's and my final thought, if anyone was wondering, is oh. this team isn't done yet. There's more to yes. come. Arms <laughs> are cooking. Okay, Mickey. <laughs> All right, and that is it for this episode. Again, thank you for uh, listening, and check out our latest podcast. We'll be dropping 